0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a question of what, what does your community want to be? Do you want to be like a highway stop or do you want to be like a livable, walkable community with assets, recreational assets, cultural assets, you know, it's kind of the question and we answered.
1: Welcome to Trail Effect. I'm your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 46, we bring you part 5 of the Knoxville series. Brian Hanna is our guest for this episode. Brian is a key player in terms of turning Knoxville into the trail community that it is today. Brian has a lot of stories that many of you can learn from and laugh at during this episode. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek, Bicycle Company, and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. I
0: was at the age when Kids moved from like a BMX bike up to a ten-speed bike, you know, when they got bigger. And I saw—I I used to just go to the bike shop when I was a kid, like you know any kid did. They had skateboards and bikes, and these things started coming out called mountain bikes. And um, my folks were—they encouraged all sorts of outdoor activities, and it was—it um, was time to either get a you know ten-speed or. Or whatever. And I was like, well, I really like, I like riding my BMX bike off road. You know, we would go down hills and whatnot. I so said, I really like one of these mountain bikes. And so I can't remember what year it was. It was like 80 something, uh, 85, maybe. I don't know. And um, so we went to the bike shop and, you know, the 10 speeds were here and the mountain bikes are here and the mountain bikes were all cool colors. And, you know, and so I was like, I, I think I want a mountain bike. And so for my birthday, I had a, I got a, a Haro Escape, you know, crazy red and yellow. And we, we picked it up and it was obviously too big, but that's just the way they were, you know, as a kid. And, and we were walking out of the bike shop and my, my dad, I remember him, whoa, whoa, we forgot something. We forgot something. And uh, instead of a helmet, you know, they had like the hats, and, like the cycling caps. And he's like, "You got to get one of these." And it said "Mountain Madness" on the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so ever since then, i we had a, like a, a woods behind our house that we built trail as kids, and and for mini bikes and our BMX bikes. And so we that's just how it started, and it's never stopped.
2: Yeah, was that
0: here in Knoxville? Or did you no, grow up somewhere else? I grew up in Cincinnati in okay. southeastern Ohio. But yeah. well, there's a lot of hills there actually.
2: Yeah, there is. I've been yeah. through that area and it's I was actually surprised with what there is for elevation yeah. up in that part of the country.
0: Yeah. So that's how it began. And then kind of kind of let it go, you know, from like 16 to about 18. And then I started working for a company in Cincinnati, a good friend of mine that I met there. He's like, Hey, do you have a mountain bike? I'm like, actually, I do have a mountain bike. And he's like, let's go mountain biking. So, you know, we had like, got the full gear, you know, like the first Camelback ever made. The the shoes that would go into the toe clips easier. And he, uh, you know, we had a bike rack on his, you know, Mazda RX-7 or whatever. And we just go all over. We started doing this Kendo Ohio off-road series early on. And um, he was quite a bit older than me. So... I was allowed to travel with them as, you know, I still lived at home with my folks and they trusted my buddy, John. And, um, he'd take me to all these races and we just had a blast, you know, and then just, I just never, never stopped riding all through college. We used to, um, I went to UT here in Knoxville and we'd go out after class and we'd ride down the railroad tracks, just, you know, on our, on our, I had a different bike at that point. Which I still have the Harrow escape, by the way. It's in the barn at the house. I'll never get it. It's pretty rare to be able to have your
2: first mountain bike still.
0: Still have it. I have my second one too. My brother has it. Actually, I let him borrow it when he went to college. So we used to ride out and then we'd cross the river and there was this place called Eastern State Wildlife Management Area, which is today is Forks of the River Wildlife Management Area where we have trail. But back then it was just hunting. Pass up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down. So we'd ride out the railroad tracks, cross the bridge, ride over in there, and then ride back. It was all dark too. Like, you know, we'd just ride at night with no lights or anything, you know, and maybe like a little handlebar mounted light. But, but, you know, we had a blast. And then I remember somebody had a car at school. None of us had cars, but somebody had a car and they're like, well, there's this place called Norris Watershed. Let's go ride there. And they had this. Big hill, you know, high point. It's a climb. They had a, they would have a race every year that you raced up it and then down it. So like the fittest guys, fastest guys would do it. So we're like, let's go do that. And then very first time down, one of our buddies broke his collarbone and we all had had one car, you know, so we all went to the hospital. We all sat there for however long it was, you know, stories, but yeah. So never, never stopped riding. Well, we didn't do an official intro which yeah. is good. <laughs> Who you we are listening to is Brian Hahn. This is trail effect.
2: Brian Hahn is one of the main characters behind the Knoxville urban wilderness. And actually all the trails in the Knoxville region, or at least in Knoxville, Brian is going to continue to tell stories about everything, but this is, this is going to be a good one because Brian's been in it both as a, he's, he characterizes everybody that represents this show volunteer board member, Trail builder, rider, advocate, all of it.
0: Huh, I guess so. I don't know. You but. wear a lot of hats. You have one <laughs> on right now. I do have a hat on. I think it says something about a bar, though.
2: Yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining us today, Brian. Yeah,
0: great. I'm glad. I'm glad you came to town. It's. It was. We had a great ride yesterday. Yeah, it's been a. And it's uh, been a great visit. Yeah. So yeah, we um we rode some of the South Loop trails yesterday. What'd you think about that?
2: I like it. It's I call it adventure cross country. Yeah. Like the way I would characterize what I've seen so far is like modern flavor in terms of like in slope turns, but still super techie, rocky, good, like technical, not not boring. Like really good flavor. Um trails are getting covered in leaves, so that's making it even more interesting.
0: It was interesting for Shaggy and I as well, you know, because I think yesterday was the first big drop of leaves. And so we've been riding just hard pack clay dirt all summer long. And then yeah. yesterday was like, new trail today, boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know,
2: as Shaggy and you were pointing out yesterday, almost everything we rode was not on public land.
0: Uh, yeah. Yesterday was uh, pretty much. So the South Loop is comprised of a lot of different landowners and kind of how all that started, I guess we'll touch on here in a little bit. But um, yeah, yesterday was all commune. We call it the commune. It's a bunch of us moved into the same area and bought land. And I think all like a big friend group out there, we all have like, it's a total of like 800 acres together. Oh, wow. And so, and everybody's cool with trail and we just keep building more and more trail.
2: Let's talk about how everything got kicked off here in Knoxville and what, you know, what brought you into the fold of actually being a builder advocate. Person wanted to, to expand.
0: Yeah. and So this. for years and years we had one place to ride here in town. It's called Icy King Park. And it's still there today. Great trail. It's super fun, flowy. You know, there's some good climbs and but we'd ride that was our one spot. It was nine miles of trail. And there was an organization back in the day called the Appalachian Mountain Bike Club that focused mainly out at Norris, the place I was talking about earlier. And Randy Connor Was part of that original organization, and he's a bit older than I am, and we were all hanging out at Icy King one night after a Tuesday night ride, and you know everybody's like, "Man, we need we need more places to ride." And Randy thought, you know, let's start the club back up, And, and none of us really in that ride knew what the club was because we're all you know younger, but Randy was still around. His kids have moved on, and you know had had kids of their own, and Randy was still riding. like, well, I'm going to start the club back up and we're going to be a MBA chapter. And so he did all that work and he had an initial vice president that was very involved and then took another job, I think, and had to step down. And then Randy came to me and said, Hey, I need you to be my vice president. And I was like, well, you know, that sounds good to me. Let's get some more trails, whatever. And, um, and so I became the vice president after his or for his second year, we had two, we have two year terms. And I was in the bike shop one day and one of the, one of the bike shop owners said, Hey, my neighborhood has this park. It's in the middle of the city. The neighborhood has been struggling for years. What to do with it. You know, there's nothing going on. So it's like four wheelers, you know, dumping, all that sort of thing. He, he said, since this club just got fired back up, why don't y'all do a loop around hasty park? And I said, you know, that's close to me as well. That's a, that's a great idea. You know? So I went to Randy, I was like, let's, let's, so the parks department here was, um, great, uh, excellent parks department. They saw this as an opportunity and all they basically said was go to the neighborhood. If they like it, go for it. And so right about that time, um, I moved from, we had a little house on one side of Chapman highway to where we are now, where, where we rode through last night. And it's it's an old farm and good amount of property. And I went to my buddy at uh, the planning commission here because for $60, you would, they'll print you an aerial view of your home, of your land. And so I said, Hey, Tim, I need a, I need a map of the of the farm because I want to build some trail out here. I want to see where, you know, what's going on. He said, Okay, no problem. And so he's 60 bucks. All right. And like a week later, he called me and said, Hey, Brian, the uh, your map's ready come on, pick it up. And I got there and he said, Hey, here, here's the one you asked for, but I had a misprint and um, this one's for free. And he goes, and he's a mountain biker as well. And he said, I want you to, I had to, I accidentally zoomed out. Take a look at the big green circle that is around South Knoxville. And I've known this guy for years and I knew what he was getting at. And I was like, damn. That's a big, that's a real opportunity right there. And so from then on out, it was like, cause Hasty Park was in that circle. The wildlife management area that we talked, that we spoke about earlier is part of that circle. Then there's a nature center. And then there's all these little remnant parcels of neighborhoods. Like when a neighborhood was developed, the hillside didn't get developed, you know, that, you know, all these little pieces that basically linked this. It's a, a 13 mile loop. And, um, so then I went back to the parks department and I went to Randy and Randy and I, so Randy had this, we call Randy the old gray hair guy. So we go into a meeting and you got me, who's, you know, 20 years younger than Randy, who I kind of have gray hair now, but I didn't back then. And I actually have less hair on my head, more gray hair on the face. And so, uh, Randy and I would have these meetings with the city, the mayor and the parks department and say, you know, this opportunity is immense like we could build a trail system that connects neighborhoods to parks, parks to Severe Avenue where there's a commercial district. And you know, a lot of cities would like they'd be like, well, this is, you know, we I don't know if this is such like our our mayor back then and then even all, all the way to today, just so supportive. And we linked up with um a parks foundation called the Legacy Parks Foundation. And so, we worked with them to acquire land, do easements, and then the the club, ANBC, kind of planned the trails. We got an RTP grant one year, had a couple, you know, Imba design grants. Just pieced it away bit by bit, and had a huge volunteer base just from the Icy King days. Like people come out and help build trail there, and then it just. When we started Hasty Park, we did a big push with, you know, I don't even think social media was that big back then. We had like this message board. Remember like the, yeah. 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 Oh,
2: those were used, Those were definitely.
0: Yeah. Big. Yeah. So we had this message board and, and we, these work parties were just huge. They were just literally work parties and, um, we started plugging away at it. We, you know, working with the Legacy Parks Foundation, it was important to have these goals because, you know, we're a volunteer organization. They're a foundation essentially with staff. And it was like, you know, let's let's have this goal. Let's announce this. Let's do that. And we're, I was just like, all right, sounds good to me. You know, just tell me where to build trail. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of, that's how it kind of started. And then, you know, the private... Pieces came on board. More people wanted to have trail on their property. When we first started it, we needed 13 easements or access at least, and not a single person said no. Yeah, which to this day I I I can't I don't I don't understand how that happened.
2: Yeah, and it's in you know where you're in the South Knoxville, but it's it to me where I live, even if you're in Knoxville, it seems really rural, but it's not. It's still within city limits, I mean it's still
0: yeah, the city it's funny, the city is is very progressive, and then you get the further you get out into the county, it's more rural and quite a bit more conservative, but South Knoxville has always been a weird anomaly of that, like South Knoxville has been the the area that nobody ever wanted to live, all the kind of the The Bohemians lived in South Knoxville, put it that way, I guess. It's always had a a quirky little character to it. And everybody, you know, we went to, I went to some folks and we'd actually, they'd had cattle on the land years before we got there. And there was this trail that went all the way up the valley, just happened to be exactly where we needed the connection. It was, it's the Lost Chromosome Trail. Okay. So we... Did a little work on it, maybe without their permission. We've been riding it for a couple of years. And finally it was time to make this official. And this I was really stressing this one. And so I went in, I went into their kitchen and I've been talking to them for a little bit about trail access. And finally I was like, you know, we'd really like to have access to make this connection from Anderson School to Burnett Creek Road. It's a major it's an integral connection. You've been on it. I yep. mean, without Almost that...
2: Almost every ride I've done in South Knoxville has taken at least a portion of it. Yeah.
0: Without that, we wouldn't have the loop. And we'd already been poaching it. And, and it, it was I was a bit nervous, <laughs> to say the least. So I'm in their kitchen. It's Mr. and Mrs. Bird. And they said, well, where are you, where are you talking about you want to do this? We'd li- I'd like to see it. And I was like, Oh no, there may be somebody riding the minute we go down there. And, uh, I said, well, Mr. Bird, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we've already kind of been using this trail. And he said, he looked at me and he's like, well, I think this is a wonderful idea. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so we took him down there on, and he was 90 or so at the time. And or 80 in his late 80s, and he just could do anything he he would think. But we had to end up, I had to run home, get a four wheeler, and get him out of there. It was really hot, got exhausted. We came back to the house and we're drinking lemonade or iced tea or something. And explained to us how they were back in the day, they were the Wednesday hikers up in the Smokies, and they were part of the Wednesday hiking group. And they think this is just a really great thing for South Knoxville. And, and um, they gave us a permanent easement for that trail that. We'd been, we'd, uh, I don't recommend that's how people go about getting trail done. That's a very risky way to try to do something. It just happened to work out.
2: So on the topic of lost chromosome,
0: what's the story with the camper? Uh, so the, the camper, uh, which story do you want? The PC one, or do you want the, uh, the entertaining one?
2: We're here for storytelling.
0: Oh, buddy. <laughs> um, good friend of mine business partner who owns the 75 acres next to our property, him and his wife got divorced and that was, he was living in that thing up on the hill and got, so I remember when, went in there one day and there was a rattlesnake tail on the bed and I was like, Jason, this is, this is unfit to live in. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm gonna, I'm fixing this thing up. I was like, all right, well, it just got worse and worse. And finally we're like, Jason, let's, let's just turn that into a trail feature. And he's like, all right. So he got it down in there and we he he did all this himself. He he's just an amazing craftsman, I guess you'd call it. But got that thing up on the rock and welded up this frame at the bottom. We've never finished the exit to it, but it's supposed to be a bridge out and then down over that little creek right there. But it's just like static art right now. <laughs> <laughs> you cut the front off of it. Yeah. And then like reinforced it with steel so you could the front wouldn't collapse in. It's an old airstream. Well, it seems like
2: it's a pretty prominent feature for your, uh, or icon for your trail system.
0: Yeah. Everybody makes stickers about it and spray paints inside of it. And, but that's, that's Jason. That's my, that's my buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what was really, you know, you guys got
2: this loop going, you got a bunch of land. What really, like, when did things really take off? And when, as far as like the acceleration of trail building.
0: So our Tuesday night rides, We, every, every time we got a trail connection made or built, we would just take people on it, you know, on these guided Tuesday rides before that it was signed and like, just get people fired up and then get people to come out more. I'm not really good with dates, but like, um, let's see, what's that? It's 2016. That was, um, some sort of award for all the work we did. I mean... Let's see, we're 2021 now. That was late. Um, I mean, I guess 12 years ago, things kind of started maybe or got rolling pretty good. Yeah, at some point, you guys got a machine. Yeah. um, We've been slowly like acquiring and losing equipment here and there. I remember one Thanksgiving, I got a call from the nature center that the kids that live, there are these kids that lived up on this road by the nature center that were known pyromaniacs like houses would just spontaneously catch on fire everywhere. And they found our excavator, brand new excavator in the woods and torched it. So, yeah. I mean, it's just things like that, but, um, we, let's see, we did get a machine. We started, we hired Matthew Kellogg to do some work. Who was, I guess he, he was the president. he, He was just before he was president, maybe did some work, I guess. And then, and then we met, we had to pick up the pace, you know, like the volunteers can only do so much. Yes. And you, you know
2: where I'm going with this now.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, and we started hiring trail builders. That was just the way to do it. Yeah. That was the way. And yeah. we hired Shaggy to build a um, uh, trans farm. Yep. And that, I mean, that you have somebody working all day long on a, on a trail. It, amazing how quick it goes with one person working every day than 50 people working one day a week, a month, you know? Yeah. So math is tough there. Yeah. So it it really sped things up. Yeah. I'd highly recommend fledgling organizations reach out to professional trail builders to supplement their volunteer labor efforts. Yeah.
2: So Shaggy, it sounds like Shaggy and Matthew are coming some of your first builders in a machine. And you guys, I know you're, you know, you, you like to travel. Is there any places that kind of sparked your brain as far as like, this is what they're doing over here. Yeah, yeah, How
0: can we totally. incorporate
2: that into our community?
0: Yes. And no. put our own flavor on it. A hundred percent. I was sitting at Bonnaroo one year reading Bike Magazine and there was an article on Bike about Kingdom Trails and how it's all on private property. Because that was kind of the challenge at the beginning was how do we make, yeah, we've got some parks and some public land, but we need a lot of private land to make this loop and this system. And how do we do that? Like, how do I present that to the city and the county mainly? Because most of the private lands in the county are, in particular, the landowners themselves, you know? And so I called up to Kingdom Trails after Bonneru and spoke with a couple folks, Lilius mainly, and said, How do y'all do this? And she pointed to the Vermont Rec land use statute. And so I started doing a whole bunch of research on rec land use statutes and somewhere, some Google, something or other said, Tennessee has one of the best rec land use statutes for, to protect landowners. And it's very similar, similar to the Vermont one. And I was like, well, shit, there, there we go. (laughs) Here's what we got to do. We got a rec land use statute. I called a couple of lawyer friends of mine, got pretty confident that that's the method in which we can, proceed forward quickly and started kind of selling that to folks that worked. Then we went up to kingdom trails, checked it all out. That was Oh nine. I know that was Oh nine went up there. So, um, and then that was kind of, you know, just such a great model. And we've been working on that model ever since.
2: Yeah. It, you know, I talk about that a lot with people back home about how we really need to you know, start focusing on getting some agreements in place with some private property owners because the topography where I live is similar to the topography here where there's so much of it that's just unusable. Yeah. You can't farm it. You can't build on it. It's too steep. It's just wooded, you know, so it gets used for hunting and stuff. But, yep. you know, and I'm guessing that's probably where a lot of your uh recuse, recreational ease, recreational liability language comes from. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was made long before mountain bikers were a thing or mountain bikes were a thing. But Yeah. When you get people walking through the woods with guns, ATVs, different, different recreational uses, there's liability there. And if you want that economy to thrive, you got to protect the people that are providing it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely geared towards hunting and fishing. And then I think climbing as well. In Tennessee, there's a good amount of climbing. Yeah, And I think later versions of Tennessee's rec statute is kind of calls out cycling activities as well. So, you know... It is unless you're a landowner that like wantonly places, you know, booby traps and hazards in the woods, you're pretty much, you know I'm not a lawyer, but Neither yeah, of us are lawyers. Let's yeah, preface that. With right we're now. not lawyers. It, it it the Tennessee rec land use statute encourages landowners to open their land up for rec use. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. It's good for the economy, it's good for people, and it and it, it's just it, it works. So you
2: brought up Kingdom Trails. Yeah. Seems like uh, there's a famous builder from up there known as Night Eyed. I've never personally met him, but I've seen
0: oh, yeah a
2: lot of his stuff. And I was able to have Lilius, his sister, on this podcast.
0: Yeah. You've, you've yeah.
2: made space for him to, to be able we, to make this his
0: winter home, it sounds like. <laughs> we steal night, say November, hey, like almost four months out of the year, at least, him and his crew. And, um, it's great having him down here. I met night, I guess the second time we were up there and we were getting ready to do some more jumpy type trails. And I'd ridden night Slayer and some of the other stuff that he built. And that was kind of early on, on some of the, and the gravity stuff, gravity stuff. And so, you know, we'd really, I knew it gets snowy up there. There's not much to do if you're a builder. And I said, Hey, we, we've got a project. We really love you to Come down and he built Nightfall at Sharps Ridge. Did you ride there today with Scott or did you ride south?
2: We rode south again, but we, we still got up into Fort
0: Dickerson. Fort Dickerson. Yeah. Yeah. So Knight built Nightfall over at Sharps Ridge the first year he was down here. It's a great trail. And every year since then, he's been back building more stuff and he works well with our team on the ground here. He does, you know, he's just, he's great. And his crew is awesome. Yeah. So I shouldn't even say that because I don't want anybody else to like. Steal s- them. Start stealing our winter crew, but. Uh, yeah. No, they're just great people.
2: It's a, it seems like it's becoming more common in the trail industry. I know like up in the upper Midwest, we have rock solid. they they build in the upper Midwest in the summers and they uh-huh. had uh, a land of Oz in the winters, yep. you know, and that keeps them busy year round. Mm-hmm. Keeps your builders working. Some of their builders maybe go do other things in the winter, but most of them, make that commute back and forth from summer to winter and it gives them a good relief from each area too so they're not getting bored
0: yeah no we have a great time they they have a house they've stayed in the past few years same house every year got a above ground pool in the front yard so ryan will roll off the roof and jump in the pool on his bike and it, it gets a little wild every now and then i think one year Every one of the builders had some sort of injury from the bike park or Wind win Rock or something, and had to try to tame it down a little bit. But <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, you could easily get injured at Wind Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So we have a good mix of fun and work when they come down for sure.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about the flavors of your trails and like what, you know, what people can expect mm-hmm. in this community.
0: Like you said earlier, there's like a good mix of Adventure XC type stuff. And the more you ride it, the faster uh, it gets because, you know, every little pump, every little route to push off of. And, and then over the last couple of years, we had a design grant from EMBA to do Baker Creek Bike Park mm-hmm. over at Baker Creek. And that is great. It's a totally different soil type. It's smooth red clay. Big jumps, long, you know, big tables. We won that Bell, Bell Built Grant Award to, to build Devil's Racetrack one year. And so EMBA came in and built that. I would caution all your listeners. We've got three gravity type jumpy trails in, this, in a system of 42 miles or so. That's all we can handle. Uh, yeah. It is a lot to maintain.
2: Yeah. So that's another topic that I've brought up locally. I haven't brought it up. A whole lot on the podcast but it's something i definitely want to touch on Mm -hmm. because especially when you go to a place like say bentonville you know they really focus on that there but they're an anomaly in terms of like the number of builders they have there and the way it's being funded um and i actually had this conversation with joey klein from imba in summer of 2020 he was up in our neck of the woods doing some planning for a different community and he came over at ours and And I said, I said, well, you know, we built these gravity trails, rock solid came and built them and they're awesome gravity trails. But I cautioned and said, you know, we just build enough to scratch that itch of what people want. Because unless you're in a bike park and you have, it's a pay to play model and you have a full-time maintenance staff, it Mm -hmm. is tough to stay on top of the maintenance of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, Just give some folks an example. We had the devil's race track was built and we didn't quite know how to maintain some of that the first couple of years. And, um, we had to do kind of a revamp of it. And a lot of it was doing some drainage work that never got done in the first place, but we ended up, it's a mile long trail after a couple of years of neglect, spent $50,000 renovating it.
2: What has that done on the flip side? What has that done for your community as far as like really bringing in different riders?
0: Well, I mean, it has expanded people's ability here immensely. And it has brought a lot of folks in for the, those fun trails. We have a, you know, once a month we do a, um, shuttle, you know, send, there's another group in town. That's part of us. That's called the senders and the senders have a shuttle once a month. So, yeah, I mean, it has brought in a lot of different types of riders for sure. It's a lot of wor- a lot of work to maintain we if you do it yearly or even we have a full time guy now that's smacking a shovel and sometimes too so and and when I say we like we need to preface all this that I've kind of stepped back from the leadership roles of the organization but is still still on the trail committee, but Matthew Kellogg is just doing a great job with managing and organizing all this stuff, and he probably thinks i'm just i'm a fly in the ointment now like <laughs> saying we gotta We got to do this and this and this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the trails we built after Baker, we realized they needed to be less maintenance heavy. It's the whole year round get down stuff. And it was in an area of really is North facing slope, same types of soils, but way more clay and stayed wet all the time. So we imported just, I can't remember. I think we, I don't remember how many tons, but we imported just a lot of stone and armored everything over there yeah and it's still pretty fun but it's armored and knight and his crew and shaggy they did all that as well knight's a stonemason by trade so he was making little brick roads everywhere
2: yeah and that's another important aspect of keeping stuff as maintenance free as you can Mm -hmm. i know back home whenever whenever we have to fix something that's a little bit too steep it's like let's just rock armor it
0: yeah Let's let's rock quit armoring. let's quit digging and let's just rock armor. Rock armoring is great, and you, but don't use little stones. Yeah. No, you got to be <laughs> big stones that don't move. <laughs> yes, if you walk they need across, equipment to move. Yeah, if you walk across your rock armoring and it moves under your feet, it's it's not good. Yeah, so yeah, so that that, um, that year round get down area was our that's our latest kind of rendition of purpose built all weather trail.
2: Yeah. And it's fun. I wrote that. I wrote it a little bit today. I wrote a little bit of it yesterday. I wrote it on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, you guys have a really cool Brit, like kind of a flyover bridge metal deck to it, which is pretty neat.
0: Yeah. I have to give a shout out to my guy, a guy that works for me, Jay Basil. Um, he's my metal guy at work and he built that. We started building it one day at a work party out of wood and he saw us building out of wood and lost his mind. And we're like, all right, Jay. It's all you, buddy. You come back and build it out of metal then. And he did. And it's really cool. Like that curved, that curved metal. And then there's the other bridge across Redbud that. uh, Yeah. What's the story behind that? That's got a full like 360 loop at the end of it over highway. Well, I remember Jason, my buddy with the Airstream camper. Yeah. So Jason and I, we own one side of the road, piece of property. And then the city owns the other. And we were. We were like, "Hey, we need a bridge over the road to connect the two parks." And the Legacy Parks Foundation hel- helped a little bit with that. And I said, you know, we need to raise some money to build this bridge, and we can't rely on the city to do it cuz it'll take years, right? So, I'm a contractor, and I went down to the city county building and had the engineer drawings from the bridge manufacturer, which is it's Big R Bridges. that just send you a drawing. And they'll send you the abutment too, like the engineered And, and so I went into the building department and said, I need a permit for a bridge. And the, and I've, you know, I've been a general contractor for 20 years. So they all know me in there. And, and the one guy looked at me, he's like, Brian, you you don't need permits for your bridges on the trails. And I said, well, I might need one for this one. (laughs) And they looked at it and they said, where is this going? And I said, well, it's on the drawing. It's going over Redbud Road. And they're like, over the street? I said, Yeah. And they're like, Oh man. (laughs) And so like, you're going to have to get air rights. So I said, well, where do I, where do I get air rights? And they said, well, that'd be the law department. I said, all right, is that on the sixth floor? So I went to the sixth floor. I was like, I need air rights for a bridge. And they're like, what is this guy doing? And I'm like, this shouldn't be that hard. I just need to build a bridge. It's for trails. And they're like, okay, we'll put it through the law department. So I got the air rights and I got the permit for the bridge and Between legacy and the club, we raised the money to buy the bridge, and then Jason built the abutments with the concrete abutments, you know, for no charge on either side of the road. And um, I remember the day we set it. Like Jason, he's a fly by nighter, right? Or not a fly by nighter, but he's a little fast and loose. And I'm like, Jason, you understand? Like these bolts have to be perfect because there's no like cutting this bridge apart and making it fit. And he's like, "It's fine, it's fine." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm serious. It's got to be perfect." And so they come in with a crane, and they they're flying this bridge in, and Jason's over there, and they're setting it down, and I'm on one side, and he's on the other, and the bolts are sticking up out of the concrete, like you're not undoing the bolts, you know? They're and they set it down, and it all of them go in except one, and I was like, "Oh man, I told you they had to be perfect." And he took his hammer, and he went. Bam. And he smacked the side of the bridge and it fell right down on all the bolts. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm chasing Stevens. <laughs> so anyway, we, we built the bridge and then the one side was way higher than the other. Cause they needed it. They needed so much clearance for cars to go under. Well, there's enough clearance for like a sailboat to go under right now. So it got way higher than we thought it was going to be. And then we all decided that the best way to do that would be to make a whirly gig. And like, you just like do a circle and go underneath yourself. So we built like a ramp off and then circled under it and got out that way. So it works. It's funny. You don't
2: see those very often, but the other place I've actually seen that is in great smoky national park.
0: Oh, the road up to Clingmans Dome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably where we got the idea. I mean, yeah. You know, you just do a curly cue under yourself and you get down. Cause if we were to do a run out, it would have just taken so much dirt and just. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of real estate. Yeah. So we just circled it back.
2: Yeah. It's, it's really nice. It's cool. So it I, works. I have written over it a handful of times and had no idea how it actually got there or what it was there for. I didn't know if it was a bridge that was there and you guys just repurposed it for something else, but that's a way better story.
0: Yeah. We ordered it straight from the factory.
2: Yeah. I think it was like
0: trails. 70 grand or something like that. That's actually not bad. No, I know. I mean, 70,000 bucks for a bridge. And it was awesome because uh, we had a donor that wish, well, she once remained anonymous, but she's a mountain biker in town and her father had passed away. And um, her stepmother had inherited whatever savings account he had at his job or something like that. And and um, I was talking with her and she called her stepdaughter and said, hey, would you mind? Cause would you mind letting the bike club have that money to help with this bridge? And she was like, she did she didn't have to do that. You know, she's like, that's an awesome idea. And so that paid for like most of the bridge.
2: That's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's detour out in Knoxville. Yeah.
2: Where are some of your favorite places to go ride when you're not at home? Obviously at home is probably one of your favorite places to ride.
0: No, I mean, I love getting out in the winter. We always go over uh, into Western North Carolina uh, mainly because it's mostly you know, the trail over in South Knoxville it's it's the it's clay based, so in the winter it's pretty wet. But just western North Carolina, the soils drain and dry real fast. We ride there a lot. Um there's a new brewery over in Hot Springs, North Carolina that draws our attention. And so we ride there and then um Canuga, that's a pretty cool spot that um Callie and Nico have have built this really neat bike park. And then further away Salida, Shaggy built a really cool trail in Salida that is just, it's one of my most favorite trails I've ever ridden. Really? Yeah. And then outside of there up on Monarch, there's some really great descents over there. So Salida, where else do we like to go? Obviously Kingdom Trails. Oh yeah. I mean, I need to get back up to Kingdom. I haven't been over to some of the new stuff. There's a East Haven over there, up there. We rode when they were just finishing it up. And I want to go back, check that out. And then Victory Hill, there's a spot. Um and then um there's another spot like in New Hampshire, I think, that they've been building that looks really cool. A big group of us went to Peru one year. Really? I highly recommend that. Yes. Peru? Yeah. Like fifteen thousand feet just, you know from the top of the Andes Mountains down. It's pretty wild. <laughs> so definitely do, would do that again. Duluth, man, I, I want to get back up, up there, Duluth, and go to copper. I've not been to Copper Harbor yet. Copper Harbor is awesome. Yeah, it, it's
2: my go-to place when I, if I'm leaving town, and I, I and it's because I know the the trails well enough that I know exactly what I'm going to get. Yeah, and even if it rains, you can ride there. Soils drain well. They're granite. I don't know how, but it's it remains not slippery in the rain. Yeah. for the most part, like so you could you just you always know what
0: you're going to get. Yeah, and they're expanding too. Yeah. I definitely want to get up there. We we did that. I was telling you yesterday we did that Matahei trip, and my wife crashed. I don't know, like third day or fourth day, and we were gonna head up to Copper Harbor, but she was in. She's so tough. And if it was like either one of us, we would have been like on a flight home. But she just toughed it out. The rest, she wasn't riding obviously, but she had like broken collarbone, two broken ribs, and was just grinning (laughs) and so we kind of cut the mountain bike well. we went to duluth and rode for a while but we didn't end up going to copper harbor
2: yeah it's copper harbor still a ways from duluth yeah i mean when you're on a road trip yeah i know it's it's you're purposely going there yeah which is one of the unique good things about it yeah no cell service oh yeah be great Yeah. And and Northern Minnesota, North of Duluth, you know, there, that place is, is really getting better. There's new trails that are coming out that have came online in the last few weeks, even. Yeah. You know, and Minnesota DNR and the Minnesota State Legislature have done a really
0: good job at really allocating funding specific to mountain bike trails. Isn't it cool how when, when, when they get it, they get it? Yeah. It's just like, What it is sometimes, like how you uh, adjust those priorities and not even adjust them, just include those priorities. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, when we went to the city, we're like, we're not asking for anything. We're just asking you, like, don't try and stop us to do anything. You know, it's not, we're not asking for a lot. It's just. We're
2: not coming for money. We're not, we just, we just want to be able to be a part of what's going on here. Yeah.
0: And when we started getting money from the city, like the city came to us and said, Hey, We'd really like to support this. And I think they wanted some things refined a little bit, but we, we really would like to support what you're doing. And then that's when we started receiving funds. And
2: what do you see the future of this place doing? You still have more access. You still have
0: more places to build. Yeah. Probably kind of make more connections. We're like the original park that I spoke about at yep. the beginning of the podcast. I see King. Icy King. We're trying to make a connection. From the South Loop trails to Icy King and it runs along this um really cool ridge line called Brown Mountain all the way that direction. And it's it's funny, like it's not really my neighborhood over there. So when we were doing South Loop Trails, I know all those folks. You know, I'd I'd go around and grade their driveways on Sunday with my tractor and be like, hey, you know, we're working on this trail system and everybody's all on board. But over there, it's hell, it's not even a quarter mile from that house, but it's on the other side of the highway. And It's just different. We need to, we really, we've started this like local champions deal with the club. And so that local folks maintain each little trail system. And that's what we need. You need a local champion to do all that. That's super fired up about it. So we'll find We'll, we'll get it.
2: You just spurred my brain for one more thing before we wrap this thing up.
0: I was told
2: by more than one other person to ask you about how a certain highway project didn't come to be. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's like the double-edged sword. The reason why a lot of this property was undeveloped was from like I don't know the late sixties, early seventies. There was a plan to extend a, a highway that paralleled another highway, and to get towards Sevierville. Basically, it's a big tourist attraction trap. And since then, they they built a Highway sixty six off forty that goes right into Sevierville. They built another. Co- they built like all these other parallel roads to where this road was like, why are we doing this again? But it was on the books as like a project, you know, and you worked for the DOT. So like once something is like a project, it's a project in somebody's head, like their goal is to take it to the finish line. Right. So yep. no matter how bad of an idea this was and it took, I mean, I always knew that that was out there when we were developing this trail system, but I just knew that Cooler heads would prevail and be like, this is a bad idea. It took a bigger fight than I thought it would. We had uh, just, you know, we had the trail system pretty much done. And they'd come out and said, well, we're having another public meeting. We're going to explore this project. And I've never seen so many people at a public meeting, mountain bikers in force. Just standing up saying, "This is ridiculous. This is a bad idea." And it took. Governor got involved. I mean, a whole bunch of folks just um, we had to show economic impact, which wasn't difficult. But, you know, we had a city councilman that when he ran for city council, was in favor of the project, but then saw what the trail system was doing for the community and was like, "Wait a second. Why do we need this three-mile? You know, bypass essentially and changed his tune like completely changed and said this isn't this is a bad idea it's a bad idea and um i mean it would have cut through not just the trail system but like severed neighborhoods you know just it was just a bad idea and it got to the point the the dot commissioner really dug in and then gave up i guess and like Gave the city the bridge that goes across the river and then the city acquired all the land at the end of the parkway where Baker Creek is, where the bike park is there. There's, it's a terminus now with like, it's got kind of bathroom group. So it took the the highway where it was going and it has turned it into this really great park space. It was a tough road to hoe, but it turned out for the best, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is awesome down there. You got Greenway down there you got Baker Creek. Yeah which has trails and paved pump tracks. Yeah. You got park facilities, like regular park facilities.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You got some all other stuff adjacent to the, to the greenway or the bike path. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a question of what, what does your community want to be? Do you want to be like a highway stop or do you want to be like a livable, walkable community with assets, recreational assets, cultural assets? You know, it's kind of the question. And we answered Yeah. Well, how do you want
2: to wrap this thing up? You got any words of wisdom or any, any way you want to close this thing out?
0: I would just encourage anybody out there that wants trail in their community, just get involved, you know, and, and do it. Just be present. You know, nothing gets done unless you get out there and, and kind of do it and help. And if you're, if you're not the leader right now, just help the leader and, and, and just, be there you know if you want something I remember years ago Shaggy at the, all the meetings just poking me in the side we need more jumps we need more jumps we need more jumps you know and I'm like not right now not right now we'll get jumps and you know Shaggy was there and he's been a huge help the entire process and um, you know just if you want something you just gotta say it you know like who knew what asphalt pump tracks were 10 years ago and look what happened we have an asphalt pump track so it's like speak up you know, pitch in. And no matter what, that thing's always open. Pretty much, unless they're cutting the grass. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they close it to cut the grass. <laughs> wow. So yeah, we had some folks in from out of town and they're like, sorry, folks, pump tracks closed. And we're like, can we just ride this part? Nope, we got to cut the grass. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, all right, we'll come back later. <laughs> Well, Brian,
2: I really appreciate your story. I appreciate all the hospitality I've had while I've been here. I yeah. mean, this place is amazing. Like, everybody's been super welcoming. Like, I, this trip has blown my mind. Yeah. You know, so I really appreciate everything. It's has Come a, back anytime. Awesome. and
0: We're going to be up in Wisconsin this uh, summer, I guess. So we'll, we'll uh, connect. Show me around.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode, part six of the Knoxville series, features Corey Clayton of V Hollow. V Hollow is a prime example of what private investment on private land can do for public access trails to help add to the economy of towns in Tennessee. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.